Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host. Today I'm chatting with Joanna Keim from the Shores of Grace Ministry, an outreach ministry in outskirts of Philadelphia that services the homeless and addicts in the streets. Listen in on how passionate Joanna is about this ministry and how listening to God's word helped her to feel valuable. And not only that, she helped those that she's ministered to feel valuable as well. You know what I need you to do? Start listening. A late edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'm joined by my friend Joanna. Joanna and I met through My One Thing. She has New York State a spring semester of My One Thing based on the five habits of a woman that doesn't quit, and we just kind of hit it off. So, Joanna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. I, um, I live in Pennsylvania, and I have not lived here all my life. I've lived in a couple different places, but I've been here for a while. Um, I have two biological children that are boys, and then I have two stepkids, a daughter and a son, and I'm on my second marriage, um, definitely with my partner and um, my best friend. <laughs> so um, I'm a preschool teacher. I've been teaching for 25 years, and I thought that was going to be my calling, um, but I think God has some different plans in store now, <laughs> at least to add on to that. So um that's pretty much who I am. Now, let's talk about the my one thing first before we start talking about the ministry. Um, mm -hmm. I love that we're both doing that again this time, and we decided we were going to be each other's accountability partners, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I think that's going to be great. So um, is the focus on why one thing, I love how Nikki does it so that she is like, you have your own personal goal. It's not like we're working toward one goal altogether. Everybody has right. their own personal goal and the encouragement. And yours, as well as mine, is health. Am I correct? Correct. So we're going to be getting out there walking and drinking water and going to yes. the bathroom 50 million yeah. times a day. <laughs> Taking good care of ourselves. So let's talk about Shores of Grace. Let's talk about that. All right. So um, tell you what Shores of Grace is first and then how I got involved with them. Um, Shores of Grace Ministries began and is still uh, located in Brazil, um, where they um, minister to those in need in Brazil. And we became involved with Luke and Allison Billman, who moved from Brazil, where their brother is still doing ministry, to Philadelphia. They felt called to come to Philly and do the same thing there. So um, they... Um, they start. They moved into Philadelphia. They um, started doing ministry work there, and um, our church is Lighthouse Fellowship United Methodist Church in Glenside, Pennsylvania. We got involved with Luke um, just through some family connections, people who knew people, um, and our pastor suggested to my husband and I when we first started going to the church that we might be interested in their street ministry, and. Um, we heard what they were doing. We thought it was lovely, sounded a little dangerous, <laughs> and um, we kind of shied away from it initially. And um, we have um, a relationship with addiction and recovery in our own family. We've seen it touch lives. Um, and that little tug kept pulling at us <laughs> along the way. Um, and then Luke did a training um, on... Like, um, basically like a uh, um, school of the streets, like what's it like to minister on the streets? So we went 
Um, we were really excited to go. I got sick <laughs> while we were there. It was just a couple hour thing and I couldn't make it through and had to go home, but it lit the fire. Um, no doubt, definitely started to get interested. And um, so some folks from our church decided to go and see what they were doing. And initially they were setting up um, on Friday night, one night a month, one Friday night a month, setting up a movie screen um, in Hope Park in Philadelphia um, and doing a movie night. And it's important to explain who we are ministering to. Um, so the people that live there um, or spend time there are addicts and the homeless. They initially had set up home um, under the train tracks in Philadelphia, in the air in Kensington. And um, the city of Philadelphia brought bulldozers and cleaned that out a couple years ago. When they did that, all those people just moved to a different place. So that's not how you cure addiction. <laughs> so that's how you move addiction. Um, so a lot of them moved to different points in the places in the city and Hope Park is one of those places. Um, it is not really a park. It is a block that should be a park. Um, and it did have a like a fenced in back area where a lot of them were living in tents. And then um, out in the park area, we would come clean up the needles, clean up the trash, set up a movie, the a movie screen and show a family movie. And it was amazing. Um, community members came out, the homeless were there, addicts were there. Um, we would bring snacks, some clothing, that kind of stuff. And um, for a brief period of time on those Friday nights, it was a park and um, a place where even parents in the neighborhood were saying like they've never felt that in their neighborhood before. Um, and that really is our purpose is to go there and disrupt that environment. There are multiple drug corners in that rate, that block radius. And um, our job is to come there and make that a little harder to do, <laughs> um, to bring some light there where there's a lot of darkness. So that's what we were doing. <laughs> um, and uh, the pandemic has changed that a little bit. Yes. So yeah. how, is, how has it changed it? So um, it is a very hands-on ministry. We do a lot of love. Um, it is um, very important to us that um, that they feel the love of Jesus, that they feel the love that's been given to us um, that is often not given to them by other people. Um, and so it's a very hands-on ministry. We hug, um, we shake hands, we look them in the eye, we ask them their names, um, we listen to their stories. And... Um, just to put this out there, because this is a question people ask us all the time, they have to do nothing to receive what we're giving. Um, there are some ministries who will ask people to give your life to Jesus, and then you can have this or whatever. And that's not what we're there for. We're there just to love them. And so um, we love everybody <laughs> that shows up there. So that's kind of hard to do when you're not allowed to be near people. So um, immediately, my husband and I... Um, knew we needed to change what we were doing and we wanted to do something um, because of the population in our church and other um, ages and exposure to illness and all of that. Um, most people were not comfortable going. So we decided we were just gonna um, make sandwiches and go and drop them off. So I packed them all in cardboard boxes, wrote, Jesus loves you, we love you, God loves you and left them and took them and dropped them off. We st stayed for a few minutes the first time, talked to them, and that was pretty much it. Um, but that quickly became awesome. And, um, you know, it's, to me, it's one of those times where um, God asks us to do something that seems impossible or too small or little, and our little yes, turns huge with him in it. And so our little yes turned into going every week. Um, I started a sign up genius on Facebook and put it out to our church and our community. 
And now we get between 10 and 15 loaves of sandwiches made by community people. We have uh, loaves and fishes food covered from Jenkintown United Methodist Church, which is right down the road from us, donating what's left from their um, mission work that they do on Sunday. So we take vegetables and fruits to them uh, or to the um, people in the park. And um, it's grown. I mean, <laughs> huge. Um, we fill um, we fill up my husband's truck pretty much with water and food every Sunday now and go. And uh, one of the great things that we've seen is um, the guys that are sort of regulars there, they now clean up on Sunday so that when we come, there's a place to set up our table. Um, they sweep, they clean all the needles and trash and have a trash bag hanging there for us when we get there. And they've taken ownership of this. So they pass out the food. Um, they joke that they can sell anything. So they'll be walking around peanut butter and jelly, ham and cheese. Um, <laughs> And uh, they, where before it was just us coming and doing a thing, um, they've really invited us into their community and their home. Um, we have great conversations about faith, about life. Um, they are our friends, they are our family. Um, when my husband and I went on vacation and weren't gonna be able to go, they asked us to send them pictures of our family on vacation. Um, so, um, it's, it, I can't even explain it because if you had told me a year ago that I would have this group of people in Kensington that meant this much to me, um, I never would have believed you. Um, but it has really turned into an amazing, amazing thing. And it really took just that little yes. Um, it's probably the best day of my week now is <laughs> going there. So, um, so that's where we are now. <laughs> and uh, I have no doubt that this will continue to grow. And um, you know, we just keep praying a little more, a little more. I see the question, could we use homemade masks for them? Yes. <laughs> we give out masks every time we go. Um, we have some people that donate homemade masks. Um, we have people that donate to the ministry, and we've been using some of that money for that. Um, for disposable masks, but they love the homemade ones because it's, again, it's another sign that someone loves them. Um, you know, the, the, the scary thing about addiction is that um, it, it is so coded in shame. Mm -hmm. And so, and this belief that you're not worthy, that you're not loved, um, it lies to you. It is the enemy lying to you every day. Sorry. Got to tell you the part when we introduced me that I cry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but we want them, even if it's for that brief moment that we're there, to feel completely loved, exactly as they are that day. And um, you know, often we'll get people information about going to rehab and um, a little interesting tidbit that if anyone wants to help us with is it's really hard to go to rehab on a weekend if you don't have private insurance um the hospitals only do walk-ins nine to five on monday through friday so you can only have that glimmer of hope from nine to five monday through friday <laughs> um, so that's a little frustrating um so we give them information on how to get connected with rehab and um but we tell them all the time if you're here still next week that's okay yeah. we still love you it doesn't work out, we're still gonna be here and we're still gonna love you. And um, that's something they've never felt before or has been stolen from them. Um, and that's just really important part of it all. What's the demographic of people that are normally there that you see? It's very diverse. Um, there are definitely more men than women. Um, but not a whole lot. We don't see many children, thank God. Um, they live in the neighborhood and in the community. And we've made some really great relationships with those families and provide them with groceries when we go. Um, but um, as far as um, race, ethnicity, it really runs the gamut age. Um, I feel like 
anecdotally, since the pandemic started, there's probably more in that 20 to 30 bracket than there used to be. Um, I feel like people who probably had, you know, not necessarily the most stable job and already had an addiction, um, you know, lost their job and are there now. Um, that's just sort of a general feeling I have. I can't, can't prove it, <laughs> but that's kind of, that's kind of where, where that falls. Now, walk me through the very first time that you went, because I know it had to be a little scary. You had to lean on your faith a lot, I'm assuming, because you hear horror stories, and Hollywood has kind of sensationalized addiction yeah. a little bit. So yeah. walk me through that. Um, oh. Um, so when you go, um, or when I first went, I think I was shocked by um, by the physical presentation of addiction. Needles in the grass, um, people who clearly couldn't open their eyes but were still trying to talk to me, people that couldn't walk, um, a lot of leaning over, falling over. Um, and that ebbs and flows. There are weekends when we go when things are pretty calm. There are weekends when we go when we see a lot of like near overdosing, and a lot of that just has to do with the um, like the potency of what's going around. Um, and but the the immediate thing I wanted to do, and um, I'm very much a people person. I love love people. Um, I wanted to touch them. I wanted to hold their hand. I wanted to look them in the eye. And once you do that, the humanity hits you hard. Um, and that I think is what sucked me right in is, you know, they might be sick. They might not be the cleanest person you've talked to, um, but they are humans and they want to be loved and man, do they want to tell you their story. <laughs> so, um, you know, so many of them just want to talk to you. And, um, and when you tell them your name and you ask them their name, they have value. Um, there's, um, you know, there's moments when things are, um, I want to say afraid. I don't think I've ever been afraid going there. And I truly think that's because Jesus sends me there. <laughs> so um, I'm not afraid when I'm there. There are times when we are more alert. Um, my husband would tell you I'm probably a little on the naive side <laughs> when we're there. I tend to be very focused on the people and very focused on what we're doing. And I sometimes miss the peripheral. Um, he's very tall. My, my husband is six, seven, almost six, eight. And so he kind of oversees everything and keeps an eye on things. Um, but most recently, I felt extremely safe. And the guys that, um, that we meet when we get there, the ones that help us hand out the food, in fact, two weeks ago, um, Todd had to park a little further away. So we set up the table together, but he had to go get the rest of the stuff. It was just the two of us. It was a weekend that no one else was able to come. And uh, he said, are you going to be okay here? And one of the guys said, we've got wifey. She's fine. <laughs> and, they, and they do. They have my back. I have no doubt that they would not let any harm come to me. So um, they're my family. I you know, we know them by name, um, and I feel completely safe with them. Um, it's interesting to watch, um, like, the pull that, um, like, the physical draw that chemical dependency has on them. One day we were there, we were having a great time. Um, it's fun. Like, the guys joke around. We have fun. And um, they, all of a sudden we heard commotion down the street and I couldn't figure out what we were hearing. And all of a sudden there were maybe two guys with us. Everybody had left. People were coming from the next block down and walking. And it turned out apparently um, the dealers give out free samples. Mm -hmm. So to keep people hooked and to keep people hooked on their product. And that's what was happening was they were calling for free samples down the street. So, um, you know, that's crushing to see. Um, and it makes you realize the weight of the enemy that you are fighting. 
Um, but then we see beautiful, beautiful things happen. And um, the one day, um, so Luke and Allison Billman are the other, the missionaries that we do the work with. Um, they run the whole show. <laughs> and um, one day a dealer offered Luke $5 and said, I like what you're doing here. You need to keep doing this. Can I donate? Oh, wow. So talk about disrupting the environment, right? <laughs> so, um, so, you know, there's, there's things like that, that, um, that just are the times when you just see, um, you know, that we are making a little headway, you know, we've sent guys to rehab. Um, it's just, it's just great. And I think that, the most important thing we can do when we're there is to listen. Um, my pastor always says, um, sit at the feet of Jesus, watch what he's doing, and join him. Oh, wow. Ever since I've started doing that, my life has changed. And um, see, here we go. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't even bring tissues. So um, one of the things... Um, that I've seen happen as a result of that. My husband, it was a really hot day as we've had a lot lately up here. And um, he said he heard God say to a guy, this guy walks by us. We asked him if he wanted anything. A lot of times people say no, and then they come back and uh, had a feeling he'd be back. And when he walked past us, he was walking with his eyes closed, not the safest way to walk and not doing well. He did come back by and my husband heard God tell him, give him water. So he took him a bottle of water and he said, could you use this? And the guy said, put it in my hands. And so Todd put it in his hands. He said, no, put it in my hand. And this was either the weekend of the riots or the weekend right after. So things were a little different, not so different right where we were, about five blocks away, the city was on fire, but wow. not where we were. And, um, so he held out his hands and Todd put water in his hands and helped him wash his face. And here I looked down the street and there's my husband washing another human being on the street. All because God said, give him a bottle of water. And so um, to me, that's just, it's just how you do it. And, um, you know, people ask me, are you afraid? And I'm not afraid because I truly think this is, this is where we are supposed to be. Um, and I love it. Now, you said that one dealer responded with giving money, but have other ones come out and kind of maybe threatened or anything like that? Or have they just kind of left you alone? They pretty much leave us alone. Um, we feed them too. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's um, we give anybody who is nearby water. We, we, the police sometimes will be parked down on the corner. Um, we'll drop it off to them too. But um, no, I mean, they pretty much, um, I'm a little on the naive side. I don't always notice them there. <laughs> so, um, but uh, for the most part, um, they've just left us alone. And, um, and the, um, we did have an interesting thing happen a couple, oh, it's probably been a couple months now, um, where, and we, I, both of us feel like, I think God speaks to us the way we will understand. And often for me, that's in images. And um, we were getting ready to leave one day and there was a guy on the side of the road, not looking good, looking like he was overdosing. And um, we carry Narcan with us. And it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And the last thing you want to do is Narcan. <laughs> that's a little close quarters thing. So um, my husband was thinking about it. We had it in our hand. We're in the truck. We're not sure what to do. And just then somebody else, like some guys from the street came and we're helping him and he was okay. But we both looked down the street and we could see a group of dealers standing there. With almost a look of pride on their faces. And at first I got angry and then God reminded me that they are his children too. And that they are broken too. 
and um, that the pride that we feel about one thing is just the same as the pride that they're feeling about that at that moment. Um, so if this has been very eye-opening to me um, in those kinds of ways, um, really recognizing that we are administering, we are ministering to them as much as we are to everyone else. We are showing them the same love that we are showing everyone else. And hopefully they will feel it. We had a young boy the other day come by and he said, he stopped and he just said, uh, so I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you're doing. He said, I wish I could thank you a thousand times. And this was a kid who looked pretty good. So my guess is might be on the dealer side of things, dressed pretty well, cleaned up pretty nicely. Um, so my hope is that we're touching them too and showing them the same love. Wow. I mean, honestly, the courage, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, they don't need to be ministered to. By all means, everybody needs to be ministered to. But a lot of times with walking into um, the streets where you know there's a drug problem, most people tend to it. And I love that you, and you can see how passionate you are about it with your tears and, and, and the conversations that you're having. But what about the success rate? Because you said you had some people go to rehab. Have you seen them come back and use again? Or some things we see again, um, some we don't. And um, I think that most of them we don't keep in touch with. So it's more like here's some information and off they go. Um, the way I see it is. Um, we're planting that tiny seed no matter what. And addiction is a crazy thing, you know? And for many people, relapse is part of that story. And the first time isn't always the time. Um, so just giving them that little seed to get started. And that made me think of something. Someone asked me recently, are we enabling them to stay there by feeding them? And I think that's a really important thing to address because I think I, that's an understandable thought is, are we making it possible for these people to live on the streets? I will tell you right now, they will do it anyway and they would just die doing it. Um, I spoke to a guy a couple, um, oh, I guess it's been a couple months now before the pandemic who said, he said he was talking to me about his addiction and how he ended up where he was. And um, it's important to note, nobody like grows up saying, I want to be an addict when I grow up. Most of these people have some sort of story. They were hurt. They were abused. Um, they were given drugs by somebody else. Um, and that's how they got hooked. Nobody chose this life. And um, it really, <clears throat> this guy was telling me he had a bed to stay in, in a shelter. He said, if I don't stay there, if I'm missing for three nights, they'll give it to someone else. He said, today is night three and I might not go back. He said, isn't that crazy? I have a bed to sleep in and I might not go because what I need is here. And so the food is not what this is all about. The sandwiches is not what this is all about. Um, by giving them food, we are telling them that they are worth feeding, that they are worth loving, that they are worth asking their name, shaking their hand. And that's what plants that little tiny seed of hope inside them that might lead to, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be ruled by addiction anymore. Um, so my husband likes to call it um, a sandwich with a side or a uh, Jesus with a side of a sandwich instead of a sandwich with a side of Jesus. And <laughs> it's, it's a good way of describing it. Like we are there with this food, the food is just sort of the gateway, you know, like it is with so many people. Um, it is an opportunity for us to just open a door, talk to them and, and get to be a part of their lives and show them how loved they really are. Um, and you know, that's, one of the things we, we dropped a, a guy off at his mom's house. He decided he wanted to go home 
And uh, we dropped him off at his house. And I looked at me sitting on his front step. And I said, can I just tell you one thing? And he said, yes. Can I tell you how much you are loved? And he started getting teary. He's like, stop, because I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really what this is all about, is just making sure. I mean, we've been freely given this love. How do we not give that away? How do you not share that with people? And, um, you know, I believe in sharing it with the people at the grocery store and everywhere I go. Um, my son says I should have a shirt that says hi, so I'll stop saying hi to everybody. <laughs> but um, but these people are the ones I feel called to make sure they know how loved they are. And, um, and I really do think we're making some headway. So even if we don't get like great reports, like, woohoo, um, Luke has gotten that. He had a guy that he prayed for, sober up right before his eyes, come back to him later and tell him he got his act clean up he had money and he was going home oh, so wow. there are those really like amazing stories and then there's these little yes stories where it's like well, a little progress the ripple effect yeah. the little yeses can turn later on to a big yes who knows later on it may they may not do it but somebody may see yeah and they in turn do it so. yeah yeah yeah, it's it's been wonderful. And, um, you know, it's it's great to be paired with organizations that are so willing to do this. Um, Luke and Allison are beautiful people. They also minister to the um, they live in a part of um, in a part of Philadelphia that's struggling also. Um, and they do family dinners at their house where they invite anyone off the street in their community to just come in and eat dinner. Um, so there's so many ways to do this. And uh, and to make that that long lasting but small, you know, beginning of an impact on a person's life, you know, saying, hey, come on in, eat at my dinner table, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because that's not something you hear. A lot of people inviting a homeless person off our no. addiction off the streets to come. In. I tell you, it's a good time. Those dinners are fun. We haven't been to one inside, but we've been doing uh, they started re doing them again outside since the uh things have eased up a little bit here for us so yeah they're a good time and um and our church has been wonderful you know the they haven't been able to come but they have donated so much to us um and made that possible and our community has been incredible this uh we have this page um abington helping abington i live in abington pennsylvania and i just put it out on the facebook page to see what would happen <laughs> We, I mean, we get booked weeks in advance now with sandwiches and water. So, well, so good. That's a that's a great idea. I think because people are hurting with COVID and they want a way to make themselves feel better as mm -hmm. and help other people out as well. Because we're limited on what we can do, and if we can go to the grocery store and and get a loaf of bread and make some sandwiches, then you feel mm -hmm. like you're accomplishing something. You feel like you're doing something with the world. Because a lot of people yeah. feel helpless about it. Yeah, one of the things, um, I hope I don't sound picky on my on my um, sign-up genius, but I ask for homemade cookies and stuff because, like, that's what we want, right? <laughs> so why shouldn't that be what they get? Um, you know, if it's not something I would eat, <laughs> I'm not taking it to them either. So, um, but they love it. And, you know, they will they get so excited and we'll have people come down from down, way down the street. I heard you got some chocolate chip cookies this week or whatever. So, um, and we've definitely made an impact. Like the, we had a boy a couple weeks ago, one who we were trying to get to rehab and we couldn't get him there. And um, he finally, sadly, when they're very high, they often want to go, but then when they start feeling sick again, they don't want to go because the process it takes to get into a rehab is long. So that's a long period of time without someone helping you get through withdrawal. So anyway, he didn't want to go after a while and he left, but there was this other kid standing there and he said, he's like, I want to go to rehab. You can take me. And I said, honey, there's, I can't find a place open today. And he followed me to the truck and he leaned in and he said, um, I don't really want to go to rehab. I'm about to get beat up. Can you get me out of here? Oh, wow. I said, oh, that we can do. <laughs> so he got in the truck and he told us, he said, guys, I didn't know what I was going to do. He said, my two buddies were just beat up. Uh, they've been eyeing me all day. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. 
And then I saw you guys and I remembered. And I knew if I stuck with you, I'd be fine. So, you know, little things, <laughs> little progress. <laughs> you go to minister for one thing and you end up ministering. <laughs> wow, what God can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like every week there's some story. Sometimes it's huge. Sometimes it's wow. And then other times it's just like the littlest wonderful thing happened. And uh, I heard someone speak on a podcast and I should remember their name and quote them appropriately, but I'm not going to be able to <laughs> because my memory stinks. But um, she was saying that uh, where she goes, somebody said, you know, thanks for bringing Jesus here. And she said, I don't bring Jesus here. I reveal Jesus here. He's already here. And it's so true. He's right there meeting us every single time. And uh, just <laughs> the other day that was pretty lively, um, and it was Todd and I by my ourselves on the way in, I prayed for God to do big things and to use us. And man, did he <laughs> use us that day. It was uh, my Fitbit registered 102 active minutes <laughs> while we were there. Heart rate must have been a little high. But um, but afterwards, I was talking to Luke about it, and he said, dangerous prayers, but my favorite kind. And they are, because if you ask and you give yourself up like that, wow. he will certainly use you. <laughs> dangerous prayers. Mm -hmm. They're the good kind. <laughs> they, get you, they get progress in the world, I think. Wow. So how long have you been doing this? Just a year. A little over a year. We started in April of 2019. So do you Shores of Grace has been doing it longer, but my husband and I have been involved for a year, well over a year. And so what do you do? Just put the call out for people if they want to donate, if they want to, you know, just whatever, and they just show up. Yeah. So I use the sign up genius mostly. Um, and uh, my husband and I are on our worship team at church. So we're at church on Sunday, live streaming um, the service we do every other Sunday for worship. And um, so every Sunday we load up the truck and wait in the parking lot and the neighbors and the church members bring the food to the truck. So um, that's how we get it. We get a lot of people who don't even sign up who just know what we're doing and show up and bring us food. Um, and then we go pick up Luke and Allison and sometimes um, other volunteers um, that will grow again once we're able to bring more people and once people are not um, real nervous about exposure. Um, we do wear masks. We were wearing gloves until it was like 94 and my gloves were filling with sweat, which seemed really disgusting. <laughs> so we trashed the gloves. Yep. I, felt, I felt less clean that way, <laughs> um, but we use hand sanitizer and stuff. Um, and so, um, and then we, we spend, like an hour there now. Um, the guys are really good about keeping distance. They wear masks. If they don't have them, we give them to them when we get there. Um, and uh, but that's how we get um, that's how we get the physical donations. And then um, people donate through our church, um, and then through uh, Shores of Grace. And Shores of Grace has a um, Facebook page. If you go on the Facebook page and click the learn more button, it takes you to their donation page. So anybody's interested in helping out that way and not close enough to make sandwiches. Um, we really appreciate it. A friend of mine just made a nice generous donation two weeks ago and we were able to get really nice big Coleman coolers. So um, we are able to take more cold food. So let's talk about since you've been doing this since April, 2019, Winter months. Mm -hmm. That'd be hard because it can't be just sandwiches. I mean, they sometimes they want hot food. So, so in, I started this thing in the um, in the fall, I guess. Um, so we were taking hot chocolate, and I have to give a big shout out to Luke because if he's watching this, he makes the best hot chocolate, and everybody in Kensington <laughs> thinks he makes the best hot chocolate. So uh, we were taking hot chocolate and snacks. Initially, so the sandwich thing didn't start until the pandemic. Um, prior to that, we were mostly taking clothes, snacks, and drinks. 
Um, so what it was cold, we were taking, we took hot apple cider. That was not a hit. Yeah. <laughs> we, thought, we thought it would be, it was not. Um, and, but very sugary hot chocolate is a hit. They really like that. So we were taking that um, and we were taking for clothing donations, lots of clothing. And every single time we, we gave out everything we had. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so a lot of clothes, a lot of coats, a lot of hats, that kind of stuff. Um, where monetary donations will purchase new hats, new socks. Socks are huge. Um, we gave out socks every time, all of them. Um, we take coat donations from the community. That's how I started the whole thing on the Abington Helping Abington page. I just asked for coats and <laughs> Luckily, we finally got bins in the church parking lot because it was my front porch. <laughs> it was just like trash bags of coats on the front porch last winter. Um, but now we have donation bins at church. So, yay. Um, and, um, and then I guess, I don't know, I'm horrible with time. Probably sometime last fall, um, I heard God tell me to nourish them, not feed them, nourish them. And I was like, oh. Okay, so um, realize popcorn and potato chips, <laughs> that's not nourishing them. So um, I asked for donations from our church, and I made four pots of pot roast. Wow. And, and um, cut it all up, put it in big, like, thermos containers, and we took it and ladled it out and gave them pot roast. That was awesome. Um, that was a lot of fun. So... Um, we are going to try to continue to do something similar to that um, once we can. The problem is we don't want to draw huge crowds. Mm -hmm. um, our sandwiches, you know, we can kind of like a couple at a time will come. Mm -hmm. um, our concern is bringing a group all at once. Um, the nice thing about the pot roast was they used to take the food and leave. But the pot roast, I was giving them in bowls with a spoon, so they stayed. So it was kind of like a community dinner. Um, it was really nice. I made biscuits and we put biscuits on top. And um, so I think that's probably where we're going to go again this fall is back to clothing um, and trying to do at least one hot meal a month. Um, and ultimately, we would really like, oh, I left out the part about we got kicked out of the park. <laughs> so. The park's really big, and we got there once, and it was fenced in and locked. So now all we do is we set up on the outside of the park um, along the sidewalk. But um, we are really working um, to make some connections in the community and so we can get that park unlocked again. They, they locked it to keep people out, but now the people just live on the outside of the park. It's kind of silly. <laughs> so um, even if it's just for the night that we come, to open it up and start back with movie night again um, and some food. One thing my husband really wants to do is bring grills and have a cookout. <laughs> so um, he'd like to put the grills on the back of the pickup truck and we'll just cook dogs and burgers and have a good time. <laughs> so I think that might be in the fall first. Yeah, definitely. And because I'm thinking, you know, here in North Carolina, we have pretty mild weather. We may have snow every once in a while. But I know in Philadelphia, in the Pennsylvania area, you got cold. Yeah, hand warmers. Hand warmers were a big thing this fall and uh, winter that we gave out. Um, Luke has two like big propane heaters, like those ones that you see at restaurants out on the patio. We brought those a couple times when it was really cold. The one day it was like 14 degrees. <laughs> it was really cold. Um, and uh, so we brought the heaters so that. They not be warm for a little while. And that's hard. Blankets, that's the other thing. A lot of, I did put out a call for blankets and we had a lot of people um, send blankets because unfortunately these folks will get um, they'll set up, they'll have a coat, they'll have a blanket, they'll have like these things, they fall asleep, they all get stolen. Mm -hmm. So they often need replacements. Wow. I'm just, I'm just in awe of what God has done with you guys. I mean, I'm just... I'm sitting here basically speechless, and that doesn't he's, happen that often. He's pretty amazing. I mean, I I truly, like, I know I said it before, but I never thought I'd be doing this. <laughs> like, not at all. I grew up in the church. I was like, I went to church. I didn't know Jesus. I just went. 
and, um, you know, really met him, gave my life to him in 2010. Life started to eke along, but it, I tell you, it's that sit at the feet of Jesus, watch him and do what he's doing. That's the key because he'll take that. He takes that willingness and, um, and just turns this into this. So, um, I'm very humbled to be a part of it. And, um, you know, the fact that, um, See, here it goes again, <laughs> the waterfall. <laughs> um, you know, the fact that he's letting me be a part of what he's doing there is pretty incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, any impact, like there are days that we come home and, you know, I'll say, I feel like we did nothing. <laughs> and uh, my husband's always the cheerleader under that. And he'll say, it's the ripple effect. We did something today. Yeah, because I and, can um, imagine discouragement too, especially if you minister to somebody and then you find out that they OD'd or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, what's hard is um, some of the guys that we know well, if they're not there um, one week, you know, they usually know, like somebody will say, oh, he's doing okay. He was here last night or whatever, but that's hard. And uh, I get attached to people. And um, I also put a call out on Facebook um, for families. So since we're in the Philly suburb, addiction has spilled out here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I don't know if anybody's heard the term, but that area in Kensington is considered the heroin hub. Mm -hmm. um, it is bad, very bad. And, uh, so it kind of has reached the suburbs of Philly. And, um, so I've asked people if they're missing a loved one, to send me a picture because we see a lot of faces and uh, I have yet to see anybody, but I'll give the picture to the guys and they'll tell me, you know, Oh, he's down there on that corner. I saw him last week. He's doing fine. Um, and then at least I can message their families back and say, you know, he's okay. Somebody saw him a couple days ago. Um, Cause that's frightening, you know, to have a family member missing like that. And, um, and the other couple weeks ago, I got to have a kid call his mom. <laughs> so <Wow. laughs> that was like, that was hard. Standing there on the phone, trying not to cry saying, I have your son on the other line. You want to talk to him? She was like, yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's times like that, that it, it, it all pays off. I love how you said that they'll actually, you know, they trust you enough to know that you're not trying to, um, disrupt their lifestyle but you know like for seeing somebody if they've seen this person and they trust you enough to say yes we have he's doing great whereas most times you wouldn't say that you know especially if a a person of authority walks through the neighborhood they would say no i've never seen him before in my life no, no, won't even look at the picture but the fact that they trust you enough to look at that picture and to tell you they have seen them or not be truthful yeah I can say if I, I think if I had done that prior to the pandemic, prior to the going, oh, and that's the other thing. I, I don't know if I mentioned, we started going weekly, so that's changed things a lot. Um, but prior to that, I don't think they would have felt comfortable. There, the trust would not have been there. Um, but I think now they know that there is a lot of trust. Um, I mean, it comes in little, little ways of showing them respect. Um, a lot of them are Muslim. So we do not bring any pork products with us when we go. Just things like that, you know, respecting their faith and what's important to them um, and telling them that, you know, little things like that show them, um, you know, we won't take rotten food. Like, yeah, <laughs> we got we got a container of oranges the other day and the whole inside was rotten. And I was like, no, because I wouldn't give that to you, you know. So just little things like that um, have helped build that trust over time. And um, it's interesting where we are is kind of a main street and then there's the two side streets. And the one side street is a lot of um, like um, homemade tents and people actually living along there and um, abandoned homes and people living there. And um, that's not a place you would just go. Mm -hmm. safely <laughs> and uh 
but I have had people say to me, there's one lady that I see often there and I asked about her and they're like, oh, she's around the corner. And I said, well, can you give this to her? And they said, do you want to take it? And I went with her, with this woman, and she took me over there. And it's a whole different world over there. It's a lot of open air drug use on that side of the street. And um, But that they trust me enough to take me over there and let me come and see her there. Little things like that are, um, you know, building that trust. Um, we're doing that hopefully with the community there, the neighbors. Um, Initially, they like kind of eyed us from across the street, like, what are y'all doing here? <laughs> and because, um, you know, there are people that live there. And um, but lately we've been given, we would ask them if they wanted anything and they'd say no. Um, but we've been bringing them produce. So things they can use to cook in their own homes. And that's um, that's been really fun. Like they they're excited about it. my husband now knows the names of all the neighbors there. And uh, we pack up bags of groceries for them when we go and drop that off to them. So little, you know, like that, like I said, just a little bit of trust knowing that like, we're here to do something good in your neighborhood. We're here to make this a neighborhood again um, and a place that people, people can come out and safely live on the street and hopefully use the park again. I mean, I had, um, I had a picture that I'm sure God gave me of the park a couple months ago um, and I was looking at it from the fence line, like into the park. And there were all these beautiful yellow flowers reaching out like real thick along the edge and then reaching back into where they used to live, where it was pretty dark. And, um, I realized that like the flowers were coming from the guys along the fence, handing out the food. And like that all this goodness was going to be spreading. And that's what I see is like maybe someday a garden in there, you know, an actual park where children can actually play safely where we don't have to clean up needles first. And, um, you know, I, I try to um, kind of stay in the moment with this because I don't know what God's going to do next. Cause I didn't know what he was doing a year ago. <laughs> Um, but if, I think if we continue to, um, you know, prayerfully follow along and see what he has in store, I think it can be really amazing. So I'm excited to see. It sounds like it's an amazing ministry and you can definitely tell that it has touched your heart. And I love how you said that people, people need to know that they're human beings. They need, need, need to be made to feel like they're human again. Because a lot of the times society just looks down on them or looks overlooks them, like don't even see them. And the fact that you go out there, you not only feed them, but you feed their their body, but you feed their soul as well by looking them straight in the eye and having conversations with them. That's just yeah. me. It's yeah. I mean, there's somebody's son, daughter, wife, husband, and they didn't ask to be there, you know, and um. I think it's hard sometimes for people to understand addiction unless they've seen it face to face. And uh, it really is not a choice at that point. These people do not have a choice. And um, and our system doesn't make it very easy when you're ready either. <laughs> so that's, that's a little piece that's been planted in my brain in the last couple of weeks of seeing what we can do about that part of it. Because to see that one boy really want to get help and sit there and tell us, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need to, I don't want to do this again. He had just gotten out of the hospital the day before. And um, he's like, I just don't want to do this again. And then to watch that disappear while I was on the phone <laughs> trying to find a place for him to go. Wow. And, you know, if you've got private insurance, you're golden. <laughs> like, somebody come pick you up. Take your rehab. Most of them don't have private insurance. Most of them don't have insurance no. at all. No. No, and and it's possible, but not easy. So, you know, and often that little glimmer of like momentary readiness, if you don't grab onto it, then it's fleeting and gone. And I wish we could find a way. And I think that's something I need to start to figure out 
a way to make that possible. I, my guess is it's going to be through like private places. I was just listening to a podcast the other day about a guy in California who, if people will get there and commit, they'll give them a year free in their rehab. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> so I think that's something I need to start paying attention to. I know here in North Carolina in the Raleigh area, the Raleigh Durham area, there is a, place called healing transitions and basically they act as a rehab and as a a place for people to get um college you know get job skills everything yeah. else and so a lot of the times the police officers now are taking the addicts that are having to go through rehab to them for instead of taking yeah. them to the hospital or to the jails because yeah. it's it's helping the overcrowding in the population and the jails and stuff yeah I mean, these guys are gifted. Let me tell you, they can sell a sandwich. Like, <laughs> they're very bright, intelligent. Um, in uh, in uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. Creative. We'll put creative aside. <laughs> People, um, you know, who really like um, they have so much skill and could give so much to the world. So. Yeah, uh, some sort of something like that would be really good. <laughs> well, Joanna, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and talking about the ministry. Tell people Thanks for having me. Tell people how they can get involved with it. Okay, so if you're in the Philadelphia area, <laughs> um, you can send an email to the email. That email address, I think, is at the bottom um, if you really want to, like, hands-on help. Um, if you would like to help out... Um, in other ways, we can always use prayer. Always ask God to do big and amazing things with these hands that we've been given. Um, that would be awesome. We can always use that. Um, and then any financial support um, is so welcome. <laughs> so, um, and the Facebook page that's scrolling at the bottom is the Shores of Grace Facebook page. And if you just want to go and check out like what we're doing, I post there every Sunday when we're done. So um, there's pictures. There's pictures of me <laughs> with my buddies there. Um, there's pictures of all of us doing what we do. Um, but if you go on that Facebook page, there's a button that says Learn More. If you click on that, that's the donation button. Um, if you were to Google Shores of Grace, there it will come up. You will mostly get the Facebook page for Brazil. Um, the ministry in Brazil is huge and wonderful and amazing. Um, and then you'd have to like work your way down to find Philly in there. Um, but the probably the quickest way is the is through the Facebook page. That would be the the best way to find out what we're doing. And you can message uh, us through that or um, through our email address um, is Philly at Shores of Grace. So um, dot com. So if you wanted to do that, you could do that. And that will either go to me or Allison or Luke. Thank you so much for coming on. And I honestly Thanks. hope that you get more blessings coming in for the donations and for these people because they need to know that they matter to everybody. And I mean, humans matter. Yeah. And I promise if you do donate, we will steward that money well. We are very thoughtful and careful about how we do this. And um, I'll make a pot roast on your behalf. <laughs> so, or at least a cookout with some good potato salad or something. So, good potato salad. You got me at the potato salad. <laughs> it will go a long way because it really we're uh, we're really thoughtful about about how we do this. So, thank you so much for having me. I get to see you again later tonight. Right. <laughs> So, guys, I hope you enjoyed or I wouldn't say enjoyed, but learned a lot. Um, that's one of the things that I wanted for these chats was to expose you to things that society's issues that people don't want to talk about. So join me again for Chats from the Blog Cabin, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thank you, Joanna, for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Wow, what an episode. I really didn't have to ask a lot of questions because Joanna told the story so well. Reaching out to the forgotten people in society is a calling for sure. I will add the contact information in the show notes if you're interested in donating or volunteering to the Shores of Grace. 
And remember, I have turned these chats in the blog cabin into not only this podcast, but Facebook Live and YouTube. So if you want to see the faces behind the voices, check out Facebook Adventures of Frugal Mom or YouTube Chats from the Blog Cabin channel. Thank you for being part of the Chats from the Blog Cabin podcast and family. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating and review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting.